Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon, maybe even today. And when He comes back, I want to go home rejoicing. I want to go home worshiping. I don't want to go home discouraged and frustrated and down and with my head turned away from the Lord and my eyes on my circumstances and frustrated and down and discouraged because of the situation I found myself in. You can read the history books. This isn't the worst time the world has ever gone through. There's been far more difficult times. God is still good. God is still faithful. God is still on the throne. Keep your eyes on Him. Because when you go out of these doors after the service today, there's a lot that will be crashing back in. When you head to work tomorrow, you turn on the TV later, there's a lot that you're going to be reminded about. And that's why as a Christian, I think it's so important to be constantly reminding ourselves of truth, meditating on who God is and what God has done, spending time in His Word each and every day, meditating on the truth and memorizing it and, and then repeating it over and over again because we so quickly forget because everything else is very loud. And God often, it seems, chooses to speak to us in the still small voice. We've got to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, and listen to Him. And I would invite you with me this morning, if you're at home, if you're here with us in person, to quiet your heart, to ask God to speak to you today. Because we're going to open His Word. Isn't it amazing that God has given us His Word? He's given us His final authority on what we are to do, what we are to say, how we are to think, and we can trust His Word. Turn with me, please, to the book of Colossians. We've been working through this book together, and I approach the verse today with a little fear and trepidation, because it is a challenge as we begin to examine very personal things in our lives and in our relationships. Yesterday, I was standing out in my front yard, and uh, you know, my grass had been cut. I feel like I've really arrived in life. My boys are now able to cut the grass for me. I've really moved up in the world. I remember when I started cutting the grass at my house and uh, growing up when dad, you know, finally said, all right, here's the lawnmower. And he'd had me pushing on the bar underneath him for a while. And then I finally graduated to pushing the bar by myself and pushing the lawnmower and felt really big about that. Of course, I've learned now dad still have to come behind and help trim up and clean up some things until you fully graduate. And then dad doesn't have to do any of the yard work. So I'm somewhere in that middle stage right now. But So the yard was cut this week, and, and it was weed-eated, and it was blown, and I didn't do any of it. Felt really good. I didn't sweat. Stayed nice and cool. But as I was standing out in the yard yesterday, I looked down, and I saw one of those pesky weeds poking up through the grass. And so I knelt down to, to pull it up, and as I knelt down to pull that weed up, I quickly noticed another weed next to it and decided to pull that. And pretty soon I was down on my hands and knees and I came up about five minutes later with two handfuls of weeds. You know, just things that you didn't really notice when the grass was cut and fresh and everything looked good from a distance. But as you got close and started examining it, you realized, oh, there's still some issues here that I need to work on in this yard. I had this little section up in the corner I don't know about your yard, but after Hurricane Harvey, my yard has just been a constant battle with weeds. It was pretty good before that, but it just, like, I guess it just became like a pond for long enough and just picked up all those weed seeds and 
I've been battling that for the last almost three years now. But I have this one section I've really worked hard at, and the grass is looking good in that section. And now I've got that worked out, and now yesterday I found a new section <laughs> that needs a lot of work, needs a lot of attention, and I've got to keep staying on top of those weeds long enough for the good grass to grow back in place. You know, weeds grow so fast, don't they? And, and they produce so many seeds. I mean, I have this one little weed, and it has a, a hundred seeds on it, whereas you can plant grass and grow it and nurture it, and it seems to take forever to cover up a dead spot in your yard. That's kind of the way the Christian life is, too. It often takes the most effort and the most time to grow the good grass in your spiritual life. And the weeds, they're the ones that just pop up almost overnight without even noticing them. And then if you let them go, even for a day or two or a week, pretty soon there's a whole patch of weeds. And weeds are pretty impressive. They are designed to survive because they produce lots of seeds. They grow rapidly. And at least in my yard, the weeds grow up and they shade out the good grass. So when you pull out one of those weeds, there's generally a, a patch of nothing underneath it. And it takes a while for the good grass to grow back in around it. Isn't that how our spiritual life is? You know, from a distance, I would say, looking across this room, most of us from a distance look pretty good spiritually. I mean, we even came to church and socially distanced. I mean, this, this is the good crowd here. Some are tuning in online. They could have tuned in to anything else this morning, but they're on their couch disciplined enough to still watch church online. Right? This is, I think I'm primarily speaking to the crowd that from a distance, your yard looks pretty good. Now, maybe not your yard at home, but spiritual, your spiritual yard. And yet, as we go through this book of Colossians, it seems like he, he's been dealing with a lot of personal things, yes, and, and how we are to put off sinful things out of our life and how we're to put on these new spiritual things in, our, in their place. And yet, as you move into verse 18, it's almost like he takes the magnifying glass out and, and zooms in. Because it's one thing to live spiritually by yourself, it's another thing to live spiritually in relationship with other sinful people. Because our relationship with God, that's a very personal thing, right? It's, it's me and God. It's, it's God and me. It's, it's that two-way relationship. But when you start to bring other sinners into close proximity with you, that's when often those weeds show up or those areas of struggle or weakness in our life are really highlighted and magnified. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with some of these relationships and how God views these relationships and how God wants these relationships to function. Now, as we work through these, not every person is involved in every one of these particular relationships. And yet, there are wonderful biblical principles from these relationships that apply to every single one of us. But as we work through these, some of you are going to feel maybe it's more specific to you than to others. But I would encourage, again, as I did last Sunday, keep your elbows to yourself today and just listen to what God has to speak to you about. And don't sit, spend this whole service thinking in your mind about how glad you are that somebody else is hearing this message. Because if you're here today, God wants you to hear this message. 
If you're watching online, God wants you to hear this message, and God's Word is applicable to all of us. So as you listen, I'm going to be focusing on a very specific relationship this morning. And I know the human nature, it's easy to try to find somebody else to point the finger at. But listen for what God has for you today. And know as well, if as I'm working through these relationships, this is not picking on anybody. Rather, this is working through and studying through this book of the Bible together. And so we need to deal with all of the things that God has for us in this book. The relationships we're going to cover are three of the most important relationships that most all of us enjoy in one way or another. It's the marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship, and the employer-employee relationship. All of us, in one, to one degree or another, at least interact with at least one of those relationships, some with two but many of you interact with all three. And so as we think about this, remember, this is in the context of dealing with, in chapter 3, if ye then be risen with Christ. He's speaking to believers. So because Christ rose from the dead, and because your salvation is in Him and through Him, therefore, this is how you should live. So follow with me this morning as I read verse 18 of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. The marriage relationship is a challenging relationship. And it's often our relationships that are where the greatest spiritual struggles are brought to light. It is one thing to live for God on your own. It's another to try to live for God in harmony with another sinful human being. Before I go any farther, can I remind you, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There was only one perfect person that ever lived on this earth, and that was Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. We all fail. We all mess up. But I think this is really the focus this morning. I want us to understand this truth. That Christ's resurrection, that He rose from the dead, that motivates and enables wives to submit to their husbands in order to bring glory to God and blessings to themselves. You see, I think based on how he lays this out in Colossians chapter 3, that this command is really impossible to fulfill without the changing power of the gospel in your life. It's impossible to fully follow God's plan for your life if you've never trusted Him as your Savior. That's why it starts with, if ye then be risen with Christ. This is not possible in your own strength. This is only possible through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit as He works in and through you. For the wife, she's unable to walk in obedience to the Lord by submitting to her husband without the saving power of the gospel working in and through her. Ladies, I would challenge you with this. And don't worry, I know if, I, it's like, why are we starting with the ladies? Well, because it's the first one. 
Next week, men, it's your turn, okay? Uh, the week after that, we move right on to the children, okay? It's gonna, we're going to all be hit in one way or another with these passages of Scripture. But this can only be done as God is working in and through us. So number one this morning, I want you to see this, and we're going to look at a few other passages of Scripture because I think it's important for us as we look at verse 18 to understand that the submission of the wife to the husband is found throughout Scripture. This isn't the only place it's found. And I think it's very interesting as we're going to look at uh, three other passages of Scripture here that help to expand on this idea of submissiveness and why a wife should even think about doing it. You say, well, God commanded it. Okay, but what is God intending through this? The first reason is for the purpose of God's Word not to be blasphemed. So what do you mean by that? Well, turn over, if you will, with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. So it's just a few pages, First and Second Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 2 says this in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Ladies, God has called you to holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. This is what the older ladies are to be focused on. So why are they doing this? Well, verse 4 explains it, that they may teach the young women to be sober. I'm thankful for ladies in our church who have really made it a, a purpose of their life to help to take another younger lady and to teach her and to train her how to be faithful to God's Word. It's biblical and it works. But this is the purpose, that they live this out in holiness, one of the reasons so that they can teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Notice verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. We're going to see that idea repeated several times because... It's to your own husband, ladies. It's not that you have to submit to every man that there ever has been. You see that in verse 18 of Colossians 3 and also here. But notice the end of verse 5, that the word of God be not blasphemed. You say, what in the world is he talking about? For a wife, her submission to her husband is for the purpose that the Word of God not be blasphemed. Well, I would say it this way. Christian wives and mothers can earn and will earn the respect of non-believers and thereby prevent God's Word from being maligned. As non-believers look, as those who are without, those who are not followers of Christ, See, a, a woman who is living in submission to her husband, this is helpful to help to point these non-believers to Christ. If you think about it, a relationship with Christ is based on our submission to Him and His work on our behalf. If you go back to our text in Colossians 3, verse 18, he says at the end of the verse, as it is fit in the Lord. 
This is with the purpose and the direction, ultimately, not just of submission to a husband, but submission to the Lord. Though unbelievers may not always value the submissiveness of a wife, Christian wives and mothers can still be sure that the Lord will honor those who value what He values. If you want God to honor you, then you need to value what God values. And I would say that's a true principle that every single person in here, man, woman, boy or girl, married or single, can appreciate and ought to be careful to follow. You need to value what God values. You need to put a priority on what God puts a priority on because God honors those who honor Him. God blesses those who put Him first. And God will ultimately vindicate both His Word and those who are faithful to it. I would encourage you with this thought. Sometimes as we look at the world around us, we see a lot of bad examples of what the marriage relationship is supposed to look like. We, see, we have a lot of personal experiences, some of us, within a marriage or within somebody else's marriage that we've observed closely, and we say, I understand what the Bible says, but here's all the reasons why that doesn't work. And I understand, humanly speaking, this is a really challenging thing to look at. Why? Well, we live in a society where abuse takes place. We live in a society where people... Don't do right, but that's always been true. Do you understand that? So trying to take evidence from our experience today and use that to argue against the Word of God, it's not a good way to live the Christian life. We must be willing to take God at His Word and trust Him. Why? Because... For us to live contrary to the Word of God, for us to not follow what God says, is to allow God's Word to be blasphemed, for other people to look down upon it and speak out against it because they say, well, this person says they're a Christian, but they don't even follow what the Bible says. Paul, as he's writing here to Titus, he's instructing him as he's teaching the women in his church to say, ladies, be obedient to God's Word. Be submissive to your husband because this is a way to keep God's word from being blasphemed. This is a way ultimately, and we'll see this even more in, a, in another passage, this is a way ultimately to point other people to Christ because that's really what it's all about, isn't it? My life is not about me. My life is about bringing glory to God. The Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. This idea of submission is an idea that comes from God. And God blesses those who are obedient to and who prioritize the things that God says should be a priority. So we see it for the purpose of God's Word not being blasphemed. Secondly, we see it for the purpose of picturing the relationship between Christ and the church. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24 speak about this when it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Really a parallel verse to Colossians 3.18. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Can I say this, though? Because as we think of submission, often we think of, well, this sounds like he's my dictator, that he's just in charge of everything. Can I remind you of this? There should only be one Lord in any marriage relationship, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The husband is not the Lord of the home. Jesus Christ must be the Lord of the home. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And too many times men try to insert themselves into the place of God and expect to be thought of as Lord. Men, you're not the Lord. There's only one Lord. And it would do us men well to submit ourselves to the Lord and allow Him to do the work that only He can do. Because men, this challenge is to the wives. Sometimes men love to walk around and say, yes, you're supposed to submit to me. No, men, your verse is, is next week. <laughs> Instead of being so concerned about whether or not your wife is submitting to you, be more concerned with what God has called you to do in verse 19. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But be more concerned with what God has commanded you to do in loving your wife. And trust God to do the work in her heart to help her to do what her part is in submissiveness. But we see it's the purpose of picturing the relationship between Christ and the church. Christ gave Himself for the church. The church submits itself to Christ. There's this wonderful relationship of love and submission and working together for the glory of Christ, for the glory of the Lord. Headship in a marriage of a husband to a wife is not dictatorship or lordship. It is loving leadership. In fact, in Ephesians 5 verse 21, we see that both the husband and the wife must be submitted to the Lord and to each other. It is mutual respect under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So we see it for the purpose that the word of the Lord or God's word not be blasphemed. We see it for the purpose that we are picturing the relationship of Christ and the church. But another reason that the Bible gives for women, for wives to be submissive to their husband is found in 1 Peter. And I love this reason. And I think really this reason ought to guide us and help us whether you're a wife submitting to a husband, whether you're a man loving his wife, whether you're a child obeying your parents, whether you are an employer taking care of your employee, all of these relationships really are ultimately about showing Christ to others in us to make a difference for the gospel and point people to Jesus. And we see that brought out in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn over there with me if you can. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your, here it is again, your own husbands, 
that if any obey not the word, I underlined this in my Bible, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Ladies, as you submit to your husband, you know you have an opportunity to help to point him to Jesus. What a blessing. Your husband needs Jesus. I am one of those husbands. I need Jesus. I need the Lord. I need to walk with Him. And I'm thankful that my wife is faithful to point me towards the Lord. Ladies, your submissiveness to your husband is a way to point them to Christ. If you keep reading in verse 2 of 1 Peter 3, he says, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, they see your lifestyle, they see your attitude, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God and of great price. In other words, ladies, you won't do as much to influence your husband by wearing fancy clothes, fancy jewelry, and fixing your hair up beautifully. You can be a much greater influence on your husband by having a heart that is meek and quiet and willing to follow God. If you think about it, a lot of people, this is men and women included, but ladies, it, you know, there's this attitude that as we wear certain things, we have great influence over people. And it's true, right? I've noticed this even having a little girl at home. She remembers what people wear much more than I do. I struggle to remember what I wore yesterday. She can tell me what she wore to church three Sundays ago. I say, how does this happen? I don't know. Josh, you may be in for the same experience with Chloe as she gets big in your house. I don't know. It's just, it just, it's something that often ladies notice, I think, more than men do. There's been times I pull something out to wear and Shandy say, honey, you just, you wear, you wear that all the time. You know, you wear the same three shirts over and over again. Well, these are the three shirts I like. So, right. They're clean. That's at least a plus, right? <laughs> Got to take what we can get sometimes. But it's not wrong to notice what somebody's we wearing. It's not wrong to wear nice clothing. That's not what he's teaching here. He's not speaking out against dressing up, but he's saying if you really want to influence and if you really want to help, don't let it be just an outward show. Be it from an inward heart that is to seek after the Lord. Ladies, your man needs to be pointed to Christ. He's not as confident as he may portray to everybody else. You probably already know that. He's not as infallible as he might like himself to think sometimes. He needs the Lord desperately. And you can help him find the Lord. Sometimes as men, we, well, I'm the head of the house. I'm doing. 
we're just as much sinners as the next person. Man, this is not speaking to us and saying, well, you're more righteous than your wife, therefore your wife should... That's not what it is about at all. In fact, it's pretty incredible when you think that God would ask a lady to submit to a fallible, sinful, broken human being. In some ways, men, I would think ladies have it harder than we do. That's why we better love them as we should. Your job, men, is to submit to the Lord, right? You say, well, yeah, he's always right. Your wife has to submit to you, and you're not always right. That's, that's a hard, hard challenge, isn't it? But ladies, God gives grace because you can't do it without His help. That's why it goes back to verse 1 of Colossians 3. If ye then be risen with Christ. I think God allows different things in our lives, whether we're men or, or you're a lady. God allows different things in our lives to help us to remain dependent upon Him. Now, this may not be always true, but it does seem to hold generally true. I've seen ladies do much better on their own than men. Men often need somebody to help them out. I know I'm one of those. When Shandy's gone for a few days, I'm just doing well to keep the children alive. She helps them to thrive. Ladies, you're very gifted by God. God has wonderful things for you to do. You have incredible influence and ability. There's the old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, right? Mothers and wives have incredible influence and incredible power. This is not in any way demeaning or lessening. Rather, this is God's way and His order in the home. It is difficult. It's not easy. Your husband's not perfect. You already knew that. You can only do this through the power of the gospel working in and through you. This message is not to beat anybody over the head. It's to say, I'm preaching it, but I don't even have to live it because I'm not a wife. But what God has called you to do is hard. And it's difficult, but it can be done through the grace and strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies, you must look to Him for the strength to be obedient to Him and to be submissive as He would have you to do. If you think about it, the gospel in part, is the story of Jesus Christ submitting Himself to the will of His Father. And so, ladies, as you are submissive as God would have you to be, you are, in part, picturing what Christ did when He gave His life to die for our sin. So we see that submission in Scripture, it's found throughout Scripture, and it has wonderful purposes for the wife making sure that God's Word is not blasphemed, helping to 
point your husband to Christ. But we also see then, number two, submission is exemplified by Jesus Christ. Jesus is not asking you to do something, wives, that he was not willing to do himself. And that's encouraging. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points like as we are, tempted and yet without sin. Jesus Christ knows what it feels like to submit himself even though he would rather do something else. Luke chapter 22. Jesus speaking to God the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Or how about Jesus, even as a, as a boy, when he was in the temple and speaking with the religious leaders back in Luke chapter 2, verse 48, his parents came to find him. Remember, they had left Jerusalem and they realized a few days later, Jesus was nowhere to be found. And so Mary and Joseph go back to Jerusalem trying to find Jesus and they find him in the temple and he's speaking with the religious leaders. It says, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt thusly with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understand not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Notice the next phrase. And was subject unto them. How could Jesus, God, be submissive to sinners like Mary and Joseph were. If Jesus could do it, He can help you to do it as well. Jesus is not asking you to do something that He wasn't willing to do Himself. And we read verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We're not to the children part yet. So teenagers, kids, hang on. You've got a couple weeks reprieve here, but it's coming for you as well. You have to submit to your parents. And young people, as you get older, you realize more and more that your parents are sinful people and they make mistakes and they struggle at times. And yet God has commanded children to submit to their parents. Remember, Jesus submitted himself to his parents, the perfect son. And just in case you were wondering, you are not the perfect son. You're not the perfect daughter. Jesus was, and he still submitted himself to his parents. You say, well, that's what Jesus did. Do you know the Bible tells us that we are to be conformed to the image of of Jesus Christ. It's easy. Wow, that was Jesus. I mean, doesn't he know we're just humans? Yeah, he says you're supposed to be like him. Well, I can't do that. Not, not in your own strength. Only through the power of God. 
Submission is exemplified by Jesus Christ. And I would remind you, ladies, as well, submission to your husband is submission to God. Notice back in Colossians 3, verse 18, he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Or in Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. This submission is limited to your own husband, not, not to all men. This is an important distinction that really highlights that women are not inferior to men, but rather that this is the way God has made things work for order in the home. It's not saying, well, all men are up here and all ladies are down here. No, if you're in a marriage relationship, there's a particular order that God has arranged for things. If you're not in that marriage relationship, you don't have to submit yourself to somebody else's husband. Because ultimately, your submission is done to the Lord. But if you're going to be in a marriage relationship, then that marriage relationship needs to function the way God intended it to function. Submission is done as unto the Lord. When the wife is looking or the wife ought to be looking for ways to submit to her husband, not looking for ways to avoid submitting to her husband, right? The, co the command is to, wives, submit to your husbands, not, well, let me find any loophole I can to not submit to this guy. No. If I want to submit to the Lord, God says, submit to your husband. This can be a fearful thing because while God is perfect, even though some men would think otherwise, they are not perfect, right? Wives, you are married to an imperfect man who does not perfectly love you and he will sin. He may have already done it today. Sometimes the greatest stress in the week is getting out the door on Sunday morning to go to church. Husbands march around, what's her problem? We're going to be late, let's go. And she's like, I just ironed three pairs of pants and two shirts for the kids and I had to find a sock and a shoe that was under a bed and I still had to get my hair fixed and then I raced to church and I'm in the nursery, right? Thank you, ladies, for all that you do to serve us especially in the nursery. <laughs> Ladies carry a heavy load. Wives carry a heavy load. And it can be very uh, fearful to try to submit yourself to this imperfect man when you look around and you go, I'm doing all this. Doesn't he realize? Where would he be without me? This phrase in the end of Colossians 3.18, as it is fit in the Lord, gives us the direction that our submission ultimately is to. It's ultimately to the Lord. This is not an escape clause, but rather a helpful directionary instruction to know where we should be pointing our submission. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. When you look through these passages, and I've read most of them now in the Bible, that deal with the submission of the wife to the husband, you can even see the example where a wife is supposed to submit to an unsaved husband. First Peter. 
So removing the excuse that, well, he's not perfect, he messes up. Yeah, he does. He might not even be saved. But as you pursue God and submit yourself to Him, thereby submitting yourself to your husband, you can help to point your husband towards Christ. Now, ultimately, it's his choice. Right? He's got to choose to follow Christ just like you had to choose to follow Christ. He has a free will. And the Bible even makes room for that, that there may be a husband or a wife who leaves. And that's very sad when that happens. But as long as you're able, you ought to live as God says to live in the marriage relationship. But men, this is not giving room for husbands to abuse their wives. Because how can she submit to the Lord when you're taking on power that's not yours to have? In the same way, the Bible says that we are to submit ourselves to the higher powers or to our governmental authorities. And yet sometimes the government tends to take authority that is not theirs to have. And so the Bible does give room for disobedience to authority when that authority goes contrary to the Word of God. But can I clarify something here? Because while the Bible does give room for disobedience to authority when that authority goes contrary to the Word of God, and I would say that should apply to the marriage relationship as well, the Bible does not give room for not having a submissive spirit to that authority. You know, you can still be submissive to an authority even when that authority is wrong. If the government tells us to do something that we shouldn't do or tells us not to do something that we should do, we still ought to have a submissive attitude while we quietly go out and do what God tells us to do anyway. We say, whoa, <laughs> how I think through that. Can I have a submissive spirit towards my authority and still choose to obey God? I think you can. You say, well, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some difficulty in that. Yes. yes. When you look in the New Testament of the stories of the disciples, as they, the apostles, they went out preaching the gospel. They often disobeyed authority when the authority said, do not preach, do not share the gospel. And what do you read about them? They went right back out and preached the gospel. Why? Because God had commanded them to do it. They could not disobey God. But you don't see them being disrespectful to their government authority. Paul was still respectful to King Agrippa. He still honored the position and was respectful to the person. Submissiveness is required to authority. But there may come a time when obedience is not possible. But wives, we're not 
you're searching for the loopholes of ways we can disobey, just like with our government, our human government, we shouldn't be searching for the ways that we can disobey them to get away with it. No, that's the wrong attitude again. That's not a submissive spirit. Submission is much more than just an action. It is an attitude of the heart. And it's only something that's possible when you allow God to do His work in you. It starts by submitting yourself to Him. Submission is an attitude, not just an action. Unconditional submission is possible with God's help. But unconditional obedience is not possible if the authority that's telling you to obey is asking you to sin. God cares about your attitude towards authority. He does. I mean, it's easy. I've, whew, I've wanted to lately with a lot of things going on. I want to jump on and say something or you know, post a meme or a picture. I don't like this. I don't like that. Look at how foolish they are. I still need to have a submissive spirit to the governmental authority just because I don't like what the government's doing. I still have to be submissive to it. Wives, just because you don't always like what your husband is doing or directing it doesn't give you an excuse to not be submissive to them. Don't be fearful. Trust God. And this is the final point. Submission brings great benefits to the one who submits. Look over at James chapter 4. Read a couple of verses here. I know we've jumped around a little bit. I just felt like we needed these other scripture passages to help us to better clarify and understand and give some more context of what this is talking about here. But I think we see this as a general truth in Scripture, and this applies to husbands, to wives, to men, to women, to boys, to girls. Submission brings blessings to, those who, to the one who submits. James chapter 4, verse 5. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace? You are going to probably struggle to submit. You're going to desire something that God has not given for you to have. But God gives more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Wives, you need grace to do this. Submit yourselves to God, and God will give you more grace. It takes a lot of grace to put up with your husband sometimes. And you can only do that with the Lord's help. You may be listening to this this morning and thinking, i got a lot of things I'm struggling with here. I would challenge you with this thought that Maybe for some, there's something you need to repent of this morning, but maybe for others, you need to just cry out for help to God. God, help me. You've laid on me this burden that feels really heavy. I'm not sure I can bear it. I need your strength. But here's what often happens. This is what happens when God lays heavy burdens on us. 
He's always there to carry it for us if we will give it to Him. God will never lay on a burden on you that is too heavy to carry if you'll give it back to Him. But if you take this burden home and you stew on it and you struggle over it, you'll probably leave here more frustrated than you came in. Say, wow, pastor, I came to church this morning to get encouraged and get help, and you just loaded up my truck, and now I don't know if I can even get out of the parking lot. (laughs) That's why you need to unload it at the foot of the cross and give it to the Lord. God, I'm weak. I'm frail. The person I'm married to is weak and frail. God, we both mess up all the time. I need your help. He needs help. She needs help. We need you. We can't do this in our own strength. And I would challenge you with this. If you're hearing this this morning, or you watch this later, God can help you. Nobody's too far gone for God to help. You're still within His reach. God's arm is long and His strength is strong. He can reach you where you are. Lift you up if you've fallen and help you to obey Him. I read this a couple of weeks ago, and maybe some of you read this as well. Some of you know this person. I grew up, as my children have, listening to tapes and CDs from Patch the Pirate. And if you know him at all, you know right now that he's suffering from very severe dementia. And his wife has stayed faithfully by his side during all of this hard time. Recently, because a lot of people know them, know about them and their ministry that they've had for many years, they, some, some people came and did a little video series about her and her husband and their work together and their current situation. Here's a man who in his prime wrote hundreds if not thousands of songs that have been sung and published in books all around the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of boys and girls have listened to their scripture songs and stories that point people to the Lord. You say, well, I've never heard of it. Well, it's a big world. There's a lot of people out there. But this is near and dear to my heart because these are people that I know and I've met. I've had my picture taken with them. And I felt really proud to meet these folks. She wrote this recently, and I wanted to share it with you. She published this publicly, so I feel fine in sharing this publicly with you. This was not a a private message, but rather a public one. I thought it might encourage you, whether you're a wife or a husband, realizing that marriage can bring very difficult things along the way. And yet God's grace is enough to get you through if you'll trust in Him. She wrote this, In reality, Ron's dementia means that I'm slowly losing my husband. Nancy Reagan said it best, Facing dementia with someone you love is like a long goodbye. 
What have I learned on this difficult journey? Getting angry and bitter is like a car spiraling down a hill with no brakes. When I choose, however, to put my faith in God's goodness, love, and omnipotence, He gives me strength and grace to navigate safely. Like a newborn baby, totally dependent on its mother, when I cry out to God and stretch up my arms to Him in faith, He picks me up, nourishes me, and surrounds me with His arms of love. The essence of Ron's personality, wisdom, and physical functioning remain no longer. I love him. I just miss him. Honestly, it's hard to take care of the shell of his body day after day when his brain has slowly died. Ron's dimension, as far as I can tell, started exhibiting itself in 2011 when he was just 61 years old. We've been on this path for nine years now. Although the road has been rocky and steep, I can honestly say that God continually sends abundant blessings to show me He cares. In all the trials God has allowed to come my way, I have discovered that there is a silver lining in every dark cloud. They have always been there. I've just learned to look for them. Specifically, His self-care has become non-existent. I cope by remembering if our roles were reversed, He would take care of me. He is unable to prepare His food or to get it from the table. I feel grateful that He is not preparing my food. I would be eating sardines and saltines, which if you know them, He actually wrote a song about that. It's His favorite snack. He sits on the couch and watches Hallmark all day. I can sit down by him occasionally and enjoy the movies with him. There's virtually no meaningful conversation. I can talk to him and remind him of sweet memories. For hours on end, he taps on the coffee table or makes squeaky sounds with his palms. I'm grateful for this constant reminder that I still have him with me. He remains confused and does not remember what he has done, where he is, or when it is. He is fortunately still mobile. I know there's a day coming that his brain won't communicate with muscles, causing him to be bedridden. He is stubborn. I tell him to do one thing and he replies yes and then does what he wants. I have to laugh. Some of you, your husband does that anyway. His only emotion is laughter. What a blessing. He sees humor in everything, causing me to see it as well. She's posted quite a few videos lately of her and him singing together and doing things and she's singing and he's just laughing the whole time. I have had to learn to take care of all the family business, selling a home, moving, etc. If the money is there, I now get to buy what I want without approval. Ron remains sweet and content, never getting angry or agitated. Nurses tell me I'm very blessed indeed. This past November in 2019, I was able to tap into my in-home care policy. The support and, and assistance I now get for his personal care helps my physical and emotional stability. I'm grateful for these angels of mercy. Melissa, our morning nurse, said that Ron recently prayed, Lord, help us to live honorably before you. God has indeed done this for Ron. 
God is truly as He assures me He is. He is good. Satan wants me to believe bad things happen because God is not good. But it is instead because He, Satan, is evil. God created the world and mankind to be beautiful. Satan is the author of sin, sickness, sorrow, and death. God, through His goodness, provides a way of salvation and an eternal home in heaven. And then she gives the words to a song that her, husband, that her son actually wrote right before he died. She lost a son a few years ago. The song's title is, You Are Always Good. Looking back, I can see your fingerprints upon my life, always seeking my best. There were times when your way would make no sense, but as you said, you have never left. You are always good. You are only good. You are always good to me, though my eyes can't see. Help my heart believe. You are always only good. Looking in, I can see my frailty. My sin is great and my strength is so small. Still you stay, you stay and your mercy shelters me. You hold my hand and you hear my call. Looking up, I can see your sympathy. I doubt myself, but I'm sure of your love. Lavish grace was poured out at Calvary, securing me for our home above. God is always good. Folks, as you look at your life this morning, maybe from a distance, Everything looks trim and neat. But if you allow the Holy Spirit this morning to take the microscope of God's Word and to point it down, maybe He's revealed some weeds in your life. Maybe it's just a couple. Maybe it's a whole patch. Would you allow God to do His work in you that only He can do? Please understand my heart as a husband that's married to a lady, and we, we spent a lot of time this week talking through this message. I said, I'm afraid I'm going to be in big trouble on Sunday. I'm preaching on a topic that I don't have personal experience with from the perspective of the person receiving the command. And so as I'd study and I'd have another point, I'd preach it to my wife. So if you really want to find somebody that's had to work through this, it's Shandy, because she's heard it like five times this week already. But I said, this is biblical. I don't understand what it's like to be a wife. I don't understand what it's like to be a lady. And I'm thankful for that. But this is clear what the Bible says. And it's also clear that you can't do it on your own. And I would just challenge you ladies, not because your husband always deserves it, but because he needs Jesus. And because the gospel matters. And people need to know the truth. And because God is good and He's greater than anything that you're going through and anything you've ever faced and ever will face, would you call out to Him and ask Him to help you with this? Not because everything your husband says is right, but because you want to submit yourself to the Lord. And then next week it's our turn. Children, after that, 
your turn. We all need this. Let God do His work in your heart this morning. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We need it. But Lord, it, it, You've called it sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. It, it pierces all the way down to the joints and marrow. Lord, Your Word cuts. Lord, it is not out of anger or with the purpose to hurt, but rather, just like the surgeon's knife, it is with the purpose to heal. And I pray for my sisters in Christ this morning that they would look to You. Lord, give them grace and strength. I pray for my brothers in Christ this morning. Encourage them and help them not to demean not to look down upon, not to demand things, but rather to lead in love as we'll even look more at your word next week to learn about. Help my wife. Lord, she carries a great burden. Help her to continue to give it to you. Help her to find the strength to be a blessing to others and to point, continue to point people to Jesus. Help us as a church to follow you and not be afraid of truth. Allow you to dig in and, and deal with the issues that are in our hearts and in our lives so that we might be holy and pure and faithful to follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I think for the sake of the invitation this morning, we'll just have a song. I'll just have you stay in your seats with your heads bowed and eyes closed. My concern is this morning that if we were to have a traditional come forward invitation, we might be easily caught up judging in our hearts. Well, she went forward. Oh, she didn't go forward. I don't want to have any of that this morning. This is time for you to talk with the Lord. Men, maybe God has spoken to you about something this morning. Submission's not just for ladies. God's commanded us to submit to Him as well. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're invited to trust in Him today, to pray and to call out and ask Him to save you of your sin. He will do it. And if you've been saved, God will help you if you'll ask Him. Let's take a moment just as the piano plays. In your seat, bow your head, close your eyes, talk to God, whatever you need to do. You and God submitting yourselves to Him. I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live 
to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I hope you've taken time to talk to the Lord today. I want you to know that as a church, we want to help you walk with the Lord. This isn't a time to in any way point out people or their struggle, but rather help point people to the Lord. We're all weak. We all fail. We all need the Lord. God's spoken to your heart this morning, and we can help you in any way. My wife, another person in the church, that's the strength of the body. One part is hurting, another part can help. We have godly ladies in our church who can help you if you need help. We have godly men in our church who can help you men if you need help. We'd love to help you walk with the Lord in obedience to Him. Well, just a few announcements. Our men's barbecue is coming up in a few weeks, Saturday, June the 13th. And uh, I've seen the way most men eat barbecue. They need plenty of elbow room, so we'll socially distance and eat barbecue and uh, have a good time. Somebody already asked me, they said, those look like hamburgers. Are we having hamburger? Well, I understand definitions of barbecue are different depending on where you're at. Here in Texas, we believe that barbecue is, is smoked meat done on a pit. And so the picture may be misleading. Um, we are not planning to have hamburgers. We're planning to have smoked meat, and it will be wonderful. We're going to have a friend of mine coming and uh, speaking for us that day to challenge us as men about our walk with the Lord. But it will also be a good opportunity uh, for you to invite a friend to that Saturday, June the 13th. We are looking forward to that coming up. We've had to make some adjustments uh, to our summer camp plans this summer, but we are still planning our summer camp. Only rather than getting on a, a bus and going away someplace, we're going to be doing a day camp here at the church for our juniors and our teens. Some of you have already paid some money to the camp at Southland where we've gone, and we'll be able to get that those funds refunded. Uh, but we are there's a brochure on the back table, and maybe um, I could get a couple guys to spread those out on a couple side or hand them out to parents as they go out. And so that'll be the week, same week as scheduled originally. So if you already have that week blocked out, it's the same time. And uh, there will be slightly different times and things for the juniors and for the teens. But we're looking forward to some fun together. It'll be different. A lot of things have been different, but it'll still be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to some special things with our young people that week. And uh, that is coming up on Wednesday night, June the 3rd. So this is the first Wednesday night in June, our children, many of them have been working hard to complete their Awana uh, program, their Bible verses and scripture memory and all those things. We are going to have an awards night that night, Wednesday uh, the 3rd of June. And so we want to invite parents and their children. And if you want to come and see those children, you can come and see them receive their rewards. They've worked hard. Many of them have even continued on during this time of Quarantine. They've been saying their verses on the phone and sending them in to the teachers and all those things. So that's still a couple of weeks away, uh, but just wanted to announce that as well. Um, we are going to be continuing to keep our seating spread out and various things. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, but just so you know, if we get to a service and there's not enough seating, we've already added another 30 seats that are spread out over here in the fellowship hall. Not as ideal. I know you're not live in person, but you can still see 
the service over there on the screen. So there's a little bit of space that direction. So we'll just continue to work through these, these things together. I would ask you to be in prayer this week for our friends, the Garlic family. Uh, Brother Dan Garlic's funeral will be on Tuesday at noon in Tennessee. And so be praying for his wife, Teresa, and for their children, grandchildren, all the extended family there. And I've been encouraged seeing all of the testimonies of people sharing them on, online about what God has done in their hearts and through their hearts. And uh, I read somewhere this week that, you know, that God gives people a, a mission or a ministry, but when one person lays down their torch, so to speak, God's ministry doesn't stop. And there's always God to bring someone else along to pick up that torch and to carry it on. And uh, God's given each of you an important ministry, and I hope that you're living it out and doing it. And I hope that uh, maybe you'd be willing to even pick up a torch for somebody else that somebody else has laid down in following him. Well, a few more, couple more things before we're dismissed. Um, we have had a number of folks that have completed their continue uh, books and Bible study over the last couple of months. So we're going to be getting those certificates together this week, trying to hand some of those out next Sunday. But we also have a couple of people that have come to us and express their desire to join our church, and so I wanted to introduce them to you this morning, and rather than have them come up here and have you all shake their hands or, you know, cough in their face or do something else, we're going to do it a little bit differently, so after I introduce them, I will dismiss them outside, out the back, and as you make your way out, again, we're going to dismiss from the back to the front, the ushers will dismiss you row by row, uh, you can at least pass by them at a safe distance. These are very dangerous people. No, I'm kidding. They're not dangerous people, but we understand we're trying to uh, make sure everybody stays healthy. But pass by at a safe distance, and you can greet them and welcome them into our body here. And we're thankful for that. My wife and, well, she's in the nursery. We'll see if she makes it out. But my family and I will also try to slide out the back and uh, greet you as well as you go this morning. We just have a couple more weeks in our Sunday school, uh, Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. If you join a little bit early, about 445 it's been fun to see everybody's faces, at least for a minute, before they go to their classes. And so those will still be going for a few more weeks. And then we have a whole new series of things we'll be letting you know about with our new uh, Sunday night classes and things that will be coming up. So a lot to be looking forward to and praying about. And I'm just encouraged. God's Word is still working. God's Holy Spirit is still powerful. God's still giving opportunities. I, I even had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody yesterday. It was a blessing. We haven't been able to get out and about as much as we like, uh, but God is still allowing good opportunities for that. So we had somebody here this week putting in some carpet over here, and uh, we just had a wonderful time talking about the Lord yesterday. He even said that he'd like to come to church and be a part, so pray for him that he would. All right, well, Esther Gonzalez has come and expressed her interest in joining our church. Esther, why don't you stand? And then Stella and Maddie. And we're glad to have a mother and daughter as well. And uh, Maddie, you can stand too. Maddie is moving into the youth group, so she's moving up in the world. She'll pass her mom pretty soon, it looks like. And uh, we're thankful for her. She just finished sixth grade and moving into junior high. I know that's hard to believe, Mom. But uh, I've got one that's just, just a year ahead of that and, and one soon to follow. Micah came in this week said, Dad, I finished more stuff, and he's heading into sixth grade, so everybody's moving up. But we're glad to have uh, these three ladies uh, to join with our church, 
And let's at least let them know that we're glad to have them by giving them a hand, and then we'll dismiss them. If you want to slide out the back, and I'll um, follow you out there. And let's see. Staying six feet apart. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's very important. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the time to be together. We love you. I pray that you'd help us to follow you. Give us grace and strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.